Hi everyone, welcome back to Meeting of the Minds, where we bring topics that are thought-provoking, and we talk about the journey of personal growth and development. So the last few weeks, probably the last month, has been pretty heavy for us and for our country, and Don and I wanted to take some time and step away and think about how we show up right now, and so we're ready to have the conversation with you. Thank you for tuning in. All right, welcome back to our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are thrilled to have you tune in today, and we promise uh, this will be worth 30 to 35 minutes of your time. On this week's episode, we are going to be exploring a daring topic and phenomena in the field of psychology, humanity, behavioral science, or just, just you and I. Uh, based on everything going on now, like Tiffany said, and also finding a way to bring a message that unites everybody. But in order to unite and build connection, we need to operate in a place of empathy, which is the reason why today we are going to be talking about empathy. Typically do, we would dive in with just having a simple definition of what the word means, empathy. So Tiffany, what does empathy mean? How can we define empathy? So empathy is the ability to share and understand the feelings of another. Hmm, the ability to share and understand the feelings of another. Yeah, so that's the definition, um, according to Merriam-Webster. There's also the etymology of the word, not just the definition, but the etymology of the word. And the etymology of empathy breaks it down into two parts, which mm, is you have okay. the prefix of M, E, M, and then you have pathi, pathi, empathy. Mm-hmm. The M means N. It's a derivation of N, I, N, to I, M, which was eventually changed to E-M. It's an evolution of that word. But it means... To, Just like many other words, right? In. It mean, literally means in. And then you have feeling. So it means to feel inwards. Mm. And in order to have empathy, that means that we have to connect with our emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to connect with our emotion or the emotions of others. That's right. To understand others' experiences. So the ultimate goal of empathy is connection Mm -hmm. it's connecting with our feelings Mm -hmm. which will connect us to ourselves Mm -hmm. and eventually help us to connect to others so let's start from that place of having empathy for yourself because uh, we tend to think of i personally tend to think of a feeling you have for yourself to understand yourself and support yourself and give yourself some love and grace is self-compassion but you're saying that there is also um, this paradigm of having empathy for yourself before you can have for others. Uh, is that self-compassion in a sense, or empathy actually is something that starts within you and you then uh, project or reflect to another person through you? So <clears throat> I think that compassion and empathy go together. Mm. If you think about the word compassion, and again, I go back to etymology, if you think about come, 
meaning the word C-O-M, the, the root, I'm sorry, the prefix C-O-M means with mm-hmm. or together. And then you have the word passion. Interesting. And you have the word passion. Again, it, it's the feeling, right? Passion, emotion, with feeling, with emotion. So if you've got empathy, which means the inward feeling, and, and then you have compassion, which means to have to do something with feeling. I think it's all tied together. You can definitely have compassion for yourself. But I think that everything starts with empathy. It's, it starts with the feeling itself. Before you can have passion about a feeling, the feeling itself has to be there. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And uh, more to come on that later. But let, let's give the definition of empathy very simple. As you've said earlier, empathy is the ability to feel what other people feel. Uh, the ability to share feelings and emotion of others mm-hmm. uh, genuinely. You know, genuinely. And I said that from from the standpoint of someone who has a, bag, a background in sales, uh, it has to be genuine. It's not just for the, it's, it's not like beginning with the end in mind. It has to be genuine. Now, how did we get to this topic, Tiffany? Why do we want to explore this topic today? And what are we looking to achieve from this podcast? So one of the, we wanted to talk about empathy today because it's, it's important to what's happening. Mm. It's It's important that we find ways to connect with ourselves because in connecting with ourselves it creates the opportunity for us to connect with others Mm -hmm. and also the importance of allowing the feelings and emotions that are inside to bubble up we've been taught um that emotion that we shouldn't we shouldn't express our emotions i think about Hmm. women and men and how we're taught in society what emotions each of the the genders should show um men in particular are taught that they shouldn't cry that's not the macho thing that's not uh, that that's not manly and that's just not true because men have emotions that they have experiences that could evoke absolutely an emotion of sadness that makes them want to cry and mm-hmm. so repressing that feeling of sadness makes them not also acknowledge that feeling in others. And Mm. so that's the problem that we're dealing with because we've suppressed emotions that we miss the opportunity to recognize when someone else is dealing with those same emotions. That is very deep. That is very deep. A lot of people are suggesting ways to bring us together as a community. And um, you are saying that empathy is the core ingredient of whatever we want to do if we want it to be genuine and long-lasting. That's right. That's all. That's awesome. Now, um, uh, one thing that came to my mind while, I'm, while I was listening to you, however, is, you know, understanding how this country was built and the culture of America, mm-hmm. I think that that might be a challenging um, goal to accomplish. It is. Because, again, this country was built on individualism. It's, a, it's about, you know, you, you, the reason why a lot of people, not, we are not able to uh, align in wearing masks or not is because many people have opinions and sure. people respect their opinion. People want to be, I'm individual. I have freedom to do whatever I want to do, mm-hmm. which is the core of, you know, the American system, capitalistic, individualistic society. And how can we bring in such a part of them like empathy, which is about, I think, to a large degree, 
is the opposite of individualism. It's more about the other person, right? But I think it starts with individualism. Tell me more. Because you you have to, in my mind, empathy starts with your ability to connect with your own feelings. That in itself is a very individual experience. It has to do with you and your own personal feelings and creating space to be with those feelings. And so once you're able to do that for yourself, then in theory you are able to, you have the ability. Now whether you choose to do it or not is different from empathy, but you have the ability to then recognize and acknowledge that emotion or that feeling in others. You know, I think it's a great idea. Um, and I'm maybe you're more optimistic than I am. But I'm thinking now, if I'm a racist, if I'm somebody who truly believes that I'm superior to other people because of the color of my skin, the reason why I feel that is because of fear. Deep down, it's a coping mechanism for the fear of my inferiority. Uh, at the core of that whole idea that I'm superior to another person and I'm going to go about living my life that way, obviously something is missing, right? And it's going to be hard for that person to sit down in a humble place and say, why do I feel this way? I think you're talking about maybe a small percentage of people who are staunch racist, who okay. no matter what you say or do, will never see you as equal, mm -hmm. who will only see you based on your skin color, who will only classify and categorize you based on your race. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very small percentage of people but the problem is that the majority of white americans mm -hmm. are in this space where they have they haven't really connected to their own emotions mm -hmm. and they've thrived in a system that allows them privilege mm -hmm. and that privilege doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily um, require them to get in touch with their feelings and emotions mm -hmm. that's the group that i'm talking about if mm -hmm. that group can get to the place of where they are in touch with their emotions. It's like a, an awakening. Mm -hmm. If they can wake up to their feelings and be present in the moment, then they can become more aware of the discrimination that's happening around them. And that's the group that's going to move the needle because you cannot have the, the, I think that in this case it takes the oppressors and while majority of whites would say that they're not oppressors, they benefit from a system mm -hmm. that discriminates against people of color. <laughs> As you can see on this week's episode, we're going deep. We're diving in and I think it's right about time to start having these conversations. When I moved to the United States seven years ago, I was told avoid talking about politics, race and religion. And my question was, what else is there to talk about? And mind you, I moved here from Russia where there is practically nothing you couldn't talk about. I mean, they tell you to be careful talking about Putin if you're in downtown Moscow, but you could talk about anywhere. And I think this is the time that we need to come together and have the uncomfortable conversation around race, culture, religion, and capitalism and understand why what is happening around us is happening right now, the root cause and how we can move forward as a society. That's the goal of this conversation. That's the goal of this episode. And we're leading in with a simple phenomena, empathy. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks.
and, and for me, someone who's been um, not very familiar with the whole term of racism and, and not experienced it as much, uh, I'd say, I have turned into science and behavioral methodologies to understand what is racism and why is it very strong in America. And one thing I understand is that racism actually has two parts. There is conscious and unconscious racism. So what you are saying now sounds to me like unconscious racism, which is really the problem that America is facing. Because like you said, those the people that are hardcore, I am superior, are very few. And I think when we limit the conversation to racism, we miss the opportunity to have a broader lens because race is one part of the privilege and discrimination, but you also have the LGBT, the LGBTQIA community who is also mm-hmm. discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people who are just different from what mainstream is. Mm-hmm. So when we focus on race, I think we miss the opportunity to really understand what the broader issue is. And, and to me, that broader issue is a lack of empathy. And so I get back to the feelings and the emotions when you have, when you exist in a society that allows you privilege, that it doesn't allow other groups of people for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, that privilege gives you the opportunity to experience life from a different set of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your experience is typically on the higher end where joy, where passion, where happiness, enthusiasm, positive experiences, and optimism and hopefulness, mm-hmm. those are your lenses. But there is a lot of people in this country who are at the bottom of that emotional scale where grief, despair, powerlessness, insecurity, guilt, jealousy, hatred, rage, anger, resentment mm-hmm. is more their common emotion. And what kind of, of what kind of yeah. life can you uh, what kind of life are you creating when your purview is built based on those emotions? So we're asking this large group of people that are unconsciously biased to other people's emotion and reality. Let's remove the word racist um, to to do this whole personal transformation of being more empathetic. Yep. Um, Good luck with that, uh, because I'll tell you, I, uh, as a professional coach, we we use so many ways to help individuals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, develop the sense of empathy. It, it's a behavioral transformation. If you don't have it, it's hard to really help you develop it. It's possible. But again, like I said, we're using tools and, and, and methodologies in the space of behavioral science to help leaders. What get does that there. look like? How? What, give me an example. A of lot of reflection, a like. lot of coaching, a lot of answering questions, um, you know, that starts with why and what. A lot of individual sessions that we, we use to really get into the mindset of the person. So mm-hmm. we're talking about mindset here. We're talking about, uh, you know, unearthing desires. Why is it important? create an alignment of why it's important and the outcomes that it can get out of it. And we're talking about after that, introducing them to uh, tools that can help them along the way, uh, either uh, giving support through mentoring or um, giving materials. And also we're talking about constantly having sessions with them to really assess where they are 
and asking questions of how they've put these skills into place. It's a whole journey. I think it's an over-engineering, okay. not a journey. I My personal belief is that what you described to me mm-hmm. is a process of over-engineering the solution of empathy. Over-engineering? Yes, it sounds over-engineered. Okay. I personally think that probably the most impactful thing in getting more people to to connect to themselves and to others is what's happening right now. As chaotic as it feels Mm -hmm. and as volatile as it feels, upsetting liberal whites, angering liberal whites Mm -hmm. is the right step and the first step in the process is putting that emotion so blatantly in their face that they have no choice but to sit with it. And that's the and, and the thing that I've wondered throughout all of this is, would we have would we be here if we weren't also in a pandemic right now? And I don't know. But I, I think that the limitations of the pandemic is forcing people to sit with their emotions because you are limited in terms of the distractions that you can go and involve yourself in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you you you're forced to sit there and think through your anger. You can either let the anger consume you or to your point, you can get to a point of reflection to ask yourself the questions of why is this making me so angry? And once you start asking the the why questions, you can move through the emotion. But I think the first step is in allowing people to have the emotion. So that's why I say for me, it sounds like an over engineering Mm -hmm. process. The first step is just acknowledge the emotion. Call it out. What is the emotion that I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. And just sit with it. Just be present with it. So you think an average person who has enjoyed unconscious bias um, and systematic uh, privilege for the re- um, all their life is able to sit down and have a deep reflection around their feeling um, with a very clear motive of empathy and connecting to what's happening around them, especially to people that they don't have anything in common with or they have very little in common with. And they don't have this bargain of this is what I'm possibly going to get out of this. I'm saying the unconscious biases and all, and the, and the racism, those are symptoms. Mm, I'm okay. saying they're symptoms. And I am saying the first step in this is in those people. Now, I'm not saying the deep reflection happens immediately, but I'm right. saying that sitting with the emotion mm-hmm. is the first step. Okay. So that's on the by, uh, on the by side, right? That's on the... On the passive side, right? That's what we're expecting, or that's what you may expect from the majority um, that have been privileged. Now, let's take a step backward and think of ways that people that are not on the, you know, people that are on the other side of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. people that are not enjoying the good feelings, Mm -hmm. um, how can they take over? What has been taken from them? How can they start rewiring their own mindset? How can they get um, strong? How can they thrive in a society or in a community that has systematically put them in a position of of less? Mm-hmm. What are some tools that they can use? And um, and how can they also communicate their, their feelings and emotion? Mm-hmm. Uh, in an appealing way, unfortunately, it's almost like you're trying to appeal to people, but in an appealing way that will help this other group um, at least have a base and a reason to be empathetic. 
So I have my thoughts on it, but I'm curious to hear your own thoughts and what that looks like. Um, I mean, you know, I want to hear yours first. No, I want to. I want to hear yours first. I'd like to hear. I I feel like I've shared with you in okay. some in some respect, but I'd like for you to to talk more about your your. Well, thoughts. my my thought I think is is really uh, the first thing is to understand what's happening, and I think, like you said, racism and discrimination are symptoms. But I think that for the most part, this is about class and this is about um, capitalism. It's about a system that has been put together to benefit a certain group of people. And this, they might not be color um, centered, but it's been created for a certain group of people to capitalize on the efforts and the energy of others. Hmm. And I think that if you have that clear understanding, especially seeing what's going on, uh, for example, the, 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 the 10 richest people in America have increased their wealth by 30 to 40 percent just within the last few months that wow. most Americans have lost their jobs mm. and unemployment is at an all time low. Uh, so looking at that itself, this is a capitalistic society where some people are just banking all the money and 90 percent of Americans are working for the money. And it's unfortunate a lot of people that are making six figures and, and you know they think that they're part of that class they are still in the workers community sure, absolutely you better <laughs> say that again yeah you're a worker too but but because you're you're a, a little well off you tend to think that you're not part of the workers you're part of the workers you're not in the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. um, so with that being said i think that that's something that has to be understood uh, and once you understand that you then think of what is a good way for you to start your own revolution. So uh, that's a great, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I even love the personal revolution. Um, When you talked about capitalizing, a group of people that capitalize on the efforts and energy of others, that's exactly what's happening right now. And and so for me personally, I've made the decision that how I'm going to show up right now is through empowerment and that empowerment does not come from a place outside of me. And I think that's the problem that a lot of times, particularly our black communities that we look external to ourselves for the power, for the solution, for the answer. Everybody does that. We'll look out at, we'll look out at for those things. Yeah. Which is going inward. Everything is there. So we can always go in. The etymology of the word empower means that the power is within. within. Mm -hmm. And you have to get to a state where you can then exude that power outwards. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my personal revolution is to go within and to, to your point, shed off some of the things that, that this group that is in control would want from me. So when you talk about capitalizing on energy and efforts, what are some of the, what does that look like? How does that show up? It shows up in consumerism. Mm -hmm. It shows up in overworking. Mm -hmm. It shows up in over ambition. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, it's shedding those things so that I am in power Mm -hmm. to make the choices that, that best align for myself. And that's my revolution is that I keep my power. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's that's definitely a good place to start. And I think if everybody want, oh, it's not possible for everybody to, you know, incorporate that kind of uh, finesse, I call it finesse into their lifestyle. But 
that's a good starting point because thinking back to what happened in Italy after the Second World War, uh, prior to the Second World War, Italians are largely dependent on corporations and the government. But I want to go, why do you think that it's not possible for everybody? There's so many movements in history that have said power to the people. The power has always been with the people, but I think there comes a point yeah, where the people forget. And forget that's it. my personal revolution. The power is with you. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah. understand that the power is with you, all the other stuff becomes irrelevant. And I know I'm being a bit punchy with my words, but it is intentional and it's symbolic of how I feel in this moment, right? Mm -hmm. Punchy. Um, there is anger. Mm -hmm. There is sadness. There is hurt. There's resentment. And I want to be authentic in expressing that in this episode with, with our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So back to what I was saying about Italy and... Um, you know, looking at the bigger picture of how possible this is, if individual if individual worker start with their own personal revolution, mm -hmm. um, you know, people largely depend on the government mm -hmm. uh, and on corporation. But back then, prior to the Second World War, they didn't call it corporations; they called it industries. A mm -hmm. lot of Italians sure. were industrial workers, mm -hmm. which was heavily controlled uh, by the Italian states, and mm -hmm. then. After that, the Nazi, they allied with the Nazi. But anyway, long story short, after the war, the industries and the big job, big corporation lost their stance. Nobody was supporting Italy for about a decade. Mm -hmm. And Italians stood up and they started building their own business. They mm -hmm. started, okay, they started battering. I can mm -hmm. make shoes. Okay, That's I'm going right. to make shoes for your kids. And That's then right. you will take care of them. You take care of my farm on the weekend. So, you know, people started trading their skills and the workers rose in Italy. Mm -hmm. In fact... In 2008 or 9, <laughs> Italian economy is based on, I think the old GDP of the country was singularly based on small businesses. I mean, not corporations. Uh, and Italians were able to show us that it's possible for workers to stand up, be entrepreneurs, use mm -hmm. their own you know, gift or talents, and use that to, to, to create a source of income that they can sustain themselves and their family on. Mm -hmm. So I, I think having that kind of education, helping people understand what truly their passion, their, their purpose is mm -hmm. through aligning their passion with their, with their vocation, you know, the, the whole Ikigia right. uh, methodology and, and um, finding that, what is that thing that make you and like Aubrey Marcos would say, entrepreneur mm -hmm. from the word independent, Entrepreneur. Sure. Um, then really focusing on that and building your own building your own business or building your own impact in the world. Mm -hmm. That's that's really a good way to start that workers' revolution and empower people uh, to get to the point of liberty. And the more people embrace that, people will start saying that they can actually you know um, afford a lifestyle on really working for themselves. I. There was and eventually, when it gets to the point that these big corporations or these wealthy people that are, you know, manipulating and benefiting from people's energy see that talent are not available as much and, and the smartest ones among us or most of us are going to work for ourselves, then that's really when capitalism starts losing its impact in a, in a state like this and the workers can take uh, what belongs to them back. That, what I just explained now, is the conspectus of neo-Marxism. 
So Marxism and capitalism is a whole different episode. I want to go back to neo-Marxism, neo-Marxism, new Marxism, capitalism. (laughs) It's all the discussion for a whole different podcast. Absolutely. Well, let's get back on empathy to back to empathy. Yeah. Um, when you talked about the workers in Italy and that whole process that they went through, it was, I would say that that was an evolution of the states of empathy. There are three different types Mm, of empathy. Break it down. There's cognitive empathy, which gives you the ability to see from another person's point of view. Mm -hmm. There's emotional empathy, which allows you to feel what that other person is feeling. And then at the height of that is compassionate empathy, where you're ready to act and help. And so when you talked about the bartering and the community coming together, mm-hmm. that was that, that height of that where there's compassionate empathy. And mm-hmm. that's where we've got to get to. Mm-hmm. But we have to, in my mind, we have to realize that the power has always been Absolutely. in us. Absolutely. We give it away. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded of the conversation we had recently when we were in Florida with the gentleman mm-hmm. um, that we met from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he read me in like two minutes. And he mm-hmm. was like, you give too much of yourself away. I can tell in just talking to you in these mm-hmm. few minutes. Mm-hmm. And we do that so often. We give yeah. so much of our power away, not even knowing what our power is. And that's why for me, my own way of showing up right now is to go within, to understand my value, to understand my worth, my power, what I have to offer the world mm-hmm. and how I choose to use that. That's very, that's so well said. And, and reflecting on what you said right now, um, I thought about what does that mean for the black community? Mm-hmm. That means that people are supporting each other. You know, yes, people absolutely. are patronizing each other. I mean, absolutely. I want to cut my hair or go to, you know, Black Barber, he has, um, we started talking and knowing each other. Then I know that he has a kid who is trying to get into college and study psychology or become a coach or whatever the case may be. He needs sure. mentoring. I can offer my service. Uh, and before you know it, we're building something strong of patronizing our our own um, people, our, our businesses. And also in the course of that, understanding and connecting better with each other. And you I know, know I would say, uh, I find this interesting mm-hmm. that I was reading this article earlier, and um, they were comparing the Hispanic community with the black community. And they were saying that 90% of businesses, uh, business to business transactions in the Hispanic community are within themselves. Sure. In other words, if, if, if a Same person, thing with the Asian community. Well, I didn't even know the Asian, but I, I can assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, but guess what it is in the black community? It's very low. 40, well, 40 something percent, at least. And they were using Georgia this measure georgia i think is is it's probably is, even higher well i think georgia's an outlier because of atlanta because of atlanta mm-hmm. so 40 percent of black businesses go to blacks what 90 percent of hispanic businesses goes to hispanic mm-hmm. i don't know what it is for whites but we're talking about in the immediate categories of um, the minorities right now so imagine when we get to a point that we're actually supporting each other's businesses so it, the revolution starts from individuals but also it extends eventually to the community and I think that's how people start taking what belongs to them back, which is that power, which is that authority, and which is that fulfillment. But there's another there's another point for me, too, that I think is important in all of this, as I see so many hashtags on, on social media, hashtag queen, hashtag king, hashtag throne, and understanding that that is a representation of rulership, right? And... What are you ruling over? 
first you have to rule over yourself you have to master yourself and then you maybe can extend that out into a kingdom but i still go back to empathy and it's it, yes we empower ourselves we empower our community but how are we bringing others along in the process so if you are a king or if you're a queen then you you have a responsibility for everyone and so we have to also display empathy for those who are in this with us as they are being awakened to what is happening we've always been in it we've always felt the uncomfortableness of it and they are now starting to feel it and so it's important for ourselves that we're able to empathize with them absolutely so ladies and gentlemen this is our two cents and our thoughts on what's going on right now in the world uh, a movement that started in the United States that has now translated globally. And we feel like um, we've spoken from the heart. So share your thoughts, share your comments, and let us know where you stand. And we'd love to compare notes. Thanks. Have a good one.